We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, January the 23rd, 2020. On today's show, I break down South Carolina's 80-67 to loss to the Auburn Tigers last night, including Devin Cambridge coming out of nowhere and having a monster night. What South Carolina did that you absolutely cannot do if you're trying to pull a road upset. The overall outlook, why the Gamecocks should be able to bounce back from this loss, and much, much more. Also, Deion Sanders with a very controversial tweet on Wednesday afternoon regarding Shiloh and the baseball team. I'll talk about that. What does it really mean? Try to break down just some of the madness that was on Twitter on Wednesday. Some news and notes to get into as well, your listener questions, and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks catcher and first baseman Chris Cullen as we discuss his South Carolina career in its entirety. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate finance for 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. So they're cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, whenever you're making a big-time life decision, whether it's getting married, you're buying some land, you're buying your first home, you're buying your dream home, you want to make sure you have the right people in your corner. Those are going to make the process super simple, super easy. Really take some of the stress off you, right? Because we know things like that, there can come, come a lot of stress with it. You can get overwhelmed. Whenever you're dealing with buying land, getting a mortgage, whatever it may be, Ag South Farm Credit is that lender. They're going to be the people there in your corner, going to take care of you, and they're going to be there to hold your hand and answer all your questions along the way. One of the questions they most get asked is people come to them, they find a track they want to buy for hunting, so they'll buy a track of land they want to buy for hunting, and they want to know about the current interest rates, right? Interest rates, very, very important. How much am I going to be paying in interest? So, they get this question a lot, and it's hard to give a clear answer with so many variables. So their rates, they're competitive with other lenders, but the rates do change daily. So how long you term it out, Todd, with your current financial situation will also make a difference with just a quick conversation. They can get you a ballpark quote, but keep in mind, it could change based on the day and further analysis of your financial. So if you want to talk rates, get some more information, do not hesitate to give those guys a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, or visit their website 
agsouthfc.com slash TSUS. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C dot com slash TSUS. Ag South and Equal Housing Lender NMLS 619-788. So again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash TSUS, or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. All right, let's get into it. Phil chose the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show as we're talking Gamecocks basketball, a little Twitter nonsense, news and notes. We got a great interview with former Gamecocks baseball player Chris Cullen as well. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. South Carolina last night falling to the Auburn Tigers 80-67 to um, in a game that, listen, I kind of saw this coming. You know, we talked about what goes up must come down. I did not think Auburn would lose three straight games, especially on their home floor. Give credit to Auburn. They have shooters all over the place. This game, though, really, truly the game of Devin Cambridge. You're asking yourself, who on God's green earth is Devin Cambridge? I'm asking myself the same exact thing. Devin Cambridge comes out of nowhere. I think they said the last, the first two SEC games, he had four combined points. All he does is come out. 10 of 14 from the field, 6 of 9 from three-point range, has 26 points to lead Auburn. Insane. Really, truly the game of Devin Cambridge. Um, you know, this game for South Carolina, I thought simply, you know, Auburn came in this game and is an 11-point favorite when the spread dropped on Wednesday morning. Um, obviously, the Tigers the better team. Vegas acknowledged that. They were the better team, had more talented players. They're at home. They're on a losing streak looking to bounce back. Again, it was a game that I really expected South Carolina to battle and fight and have an opportunity, and they really did have that opportunity. South Carolina getting it to a one-point game in the second half. You know, you really thought something was there. Maybe South Carolina could get hot, continue to go on a run. Unfortunately, from that point, I believe Auburn went on a, went on a 27-6 to run, something like that, or a 20-6 to run or something. Either way, went on a huge run. Uh, South Carolina really never able to recover from it. You know, Gamecocks, the, the Gamecocks had a bunch of things you simply can't do on the road if you're looking to pull the big upset. Those things are turn the basketball over. They did not guard the perimeter very well. Auburn shot 30. Auburn, see, Auburn shot just 37% from three-point range. It felt like they made everything. Um, for whatever reason, I'm not going to sit here and blame officiating and definitely the referees – you know, this didn't make an impact in the game. I don't think it would have made really any difference. But for whatever reason, the second straight game with the free throws are really, really favoring the home team. Gamecocks just shot nine free throws. Auburn shot 21. But overall, when you take a look at this game, simply put, South Carolina was outmanned. The Gamecocks were outmanned by a better basketball team. And like I said, what goes up must come down. You know, I thought South Carolina had been hot, uh, had played well, back-to-back wins. Auburn, on the other hand, lost two in a row coming home, a desperate, hungry team that knew it had its backs against the wall. I'm not shocked at all what happened last night. Now, I think there are positives you can take away. You know, you continue to look at the game of Jermaine Kuznar. He finishes the night with 16 points. To me, he has really, really, truly established himself as the true leader of this basketball team, the main scorer for South Carolina, a guy that I really think you can depend on. Um, again, 16 points had uh, two assists as well, three re- three rebounds, had a really, really good night for South Carolina. Again, he continues to be that leader for you, but you just didn't get enough 
from your supporting cast. I mean, a really nice night for Justin Manaya as well, 14 points for him. Jair Bolden with 10 points, but the rest of your supporting cast just did not show up well enough. I thought South Carolina fell victim to the defensive pressure. You know, it was kind of funny. Normally what South Carolina does with Frank Martin, you know, cranking up the pressure on defense and making teams uncomfortable. I thought Auburn did that to South Carolina. Gamecocks turned the ball over 11 times. I talked about, you know, if you're going to go on the road and you're going to pull off a big upset, there are certain things you simply cannot do. Turning over the basketball is one of them, and it seemed like the Gamecocks turned the ball over at the worst possible times every single time. Um, Overall, though, when you take a look at this, I mean, listen, the Gamecocks now fall to two and three in conference play. Not really where you want to be, but the schedule does soften up just a little bit here. Um, South Carolina now comes back home. You get to face Vanderbilt at home at CLA. Uh, next Wednesday, you're at Arkansas. Then you go, you play Missouri at home, at Ole Miss, A&M at home. So the schedule has some favorable games there. I think this team will be just fine, to be honest with you. Um, I, I liked what I saw from South Carolina as far as the effort. You know, I didn't think the Gamecocks got completely outclassed, and I didn't feel like it was a game where they just failed to show up to play or weren't motivated. I mean, again, South Carolina made this a one-point game late in the second half, um, or fairly late. I mean, about midway through the second half. But Auburn simply had too much. And, again, it was simply the night of Devin Cambridge. Just, dude, I don't know where he came from. He could not miss. I, I don't know what was in the water in Auburn that day, but – Man, he could not miss for the Tigers. But I think this team will be fine. I, I, I like what I'm seeing for Jermaine Kuznar. I think the guards are playing a lot better. Um, I think you have a really, really good opportunity to bounce back against Vanderbilt at home on Saturday. And, again, I expect this team to be fine. This team will be okay as long as you don't let this Auburn loss linger. Let it be a one-game thing. Let it Put it out of your mind and go out there and take, take care of business against Vanderbilt, which is a team that you really should beat. You should beat a Vanderbilt. So, I think South Carolina will be fine. I think it was the perfect storm. I think the Gamecocks just simply ran into a hungry Auburn team at home that was not going to lose three straight game. And then the Gamecocks, like I said, what goes up must come down. They played solid basketball, but they ran into a buzzsaw that was Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers. So, again, Gamecocks falling to Auburn 80-67. to But I do think this South Carolina team will be fine. I highly doubt Devin Cambridge has another night like that in his, his entire life. Of course, it's so fitting that the Gamecocks have someone like that go off against them, have the, the, the night of their life, a career night. Seems like that always happens to South Carolina. But overall, again, I think Frank Martin and company will be fine. I think they'll be able to bounce back. I think they're certainly going to have the opportunities to bounce back. And I think this Gamecocks basketball team will be okay as long as they're able to put that Auburn loss out of their heads and move on and take care of business Saturday night at Colonial Life Arena. Um, so, again, Gamecocks taking on Vanderbilt Saturday night. We'll have full coverage, a full preview of that game on tomorrow's show as well. Uh, let's move into something that really lit up social media on Wednesday afternoon, really got people buzzing, talking, something that got blown up that probably never should have. And, you know, I debated even talking about it on the podcast. Um Debated even talking about it on the podcast, but we have to bring it up, obviously. Deion Sanders, father of Gamecocks defensive back Shiloh Sanders. We'll go kind of how this all started. So, go Gamecocks, the state newspaper. Their, uh, their Twitter account, Mark Kingston, had his daily, daily media availability. I believe it was Tuesday he spoke to the media. Um, and Kingston was asked about Shiloh Sanders, his potential to play baseball, what was the status, stuff like that. This is what Go Gamecocks, at Go Gamecocks, or the state newspaper tweeted out. 
It said this. Kingston said, Kingston said Shiloh Sanders won't take a shot at playing baseball this year. He's focused on football but has some talent. End of tweet. That's all it said. Deion Sanders takes a screenshot of said tweet and says in a tweet below states that Shiloh, at Shiloh Sanders decided to focus on football. He's been working tirelessly to get ready for his baseball tryout that only consisted of about 30 swings in the cage, which I have all the footage. If you're going to kill a kid's dream, please don't say it was suicide. Well, obviously, when Dion speaks, that's going to get social media fired up. Dion Sanders, a guy on Twitter without, oh, just 1.1 million followers. So, obviously, everybody gets going, gets fired up. Oh, he didn't get a fair shot. He didn't get a fair shake, yada, yada, yada. Come to find out. I go back, watch the original presser. The state newspaper also releases a tweet basically with the quote saying, this is the actual quote, because they, of course, they quote tweet this and say this after, after the fact. For clarity, Kingston's quote about Shiloh Sanders, quote, he won't be on our team this year. He's trying to work his way up on the football team. He's a guy who has some baseball talent, and we've watched him take some batting practice, but right now he's still full-time football. That quote gives this whole situation a lot more clarity. Um, I will say this, I don't, you know, I know the original tweet was worded very poorly and shame on the state newspaper for not understanding the way social media works and the way things can be taken out of context and not being more careful with what they said. Um, but I do think Deion Sanders made something out of completely nothing. I will also say this and defend Mark Kingston. You know, if, if, you know, if that's true, he took 30 swings, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You can tell if a guy's worth a shit in 30 swings. You, you don't need more than 30. You probably don't need more than 10. You probably don't need more than 10 swings. So, you know, I, I said something on social media. Listen, the Gamecocks have questions at different positions. You know, just from his athleticism standpoint, would love to see Shiloh Sanders on the baseball field, see what he can do. But Gamecock baseball is not a charity case. There's no, you know, they, they don't have to give him a spot. doesn't matter what your dad did or who your dad is or, you know, whatever. If he's good enough, let him have a spot. If he's not, so being. I think the thing that was stupid, though, about what the state did is that they made it sound like he was so, you know, that Kingston was so blunt about it and abrupt, like he's never going to play baseball. I mean, I, I think Kingston kind of left the door open that it could be a possibility in the future and just said, hey, the kid's focused on football. It is what it is. We watched him take some BP. That's it, though. That's it. He left it there. So, just lack of communication on all parties. The state newspaper doing what they do best, which is being idiots, being stupid, not knowing how social media works. Um, but, yeah, just a weird situation. A weird situation. Again, I thought Dion took the thing way too personally. And, again, defending Kingston and staff, I mean, it, it – if he's not, I think Kingston didn't want to come out and say, hey, he, was, he wasn't good enough. Like, we, we don't want to take him on our team. Bottom line, I think that's really what he was trying to say. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I, I think he was trying to be really nice about it. Again, he left the door open because, again, I'd like to see, I mean, I think Shiloh Sanders could probably pinch run for you, you know, be a late defensive replacement, whatever. I mean, he could probably do something. But, you know, if Kingston – I know Shiloh played high school baseball, but, I mean, just because you played high school baseball here and there does not mean you are an SEC caliber baseball player. It, that's not what it means. So, um, Shiloh Sanders, sure enough, will not be playing baseball this year, but just a really interesting situation. And just another example of how social media can really 
is a really interesting, funny place because this is something that really should have been a non-story. The state newspaper screws up and tweets out a very vague statement because if you go back and you listen to the presser and you see you, you hear the comments, it, it's harmless, really. He just gives a simple update. Kingston just gives a simple update because of the original tweet. Um, Dion obviously makes his comments, and then all of social media, all hell breaks loose. So um, really, really, really interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff on a Wednesday afternoon on Twitter. So, um, But, no, I, I don't think it's really anything. It, it's, it's nothing serious. But, uh, you know, it, it, I will say it just sucks when you have Deion Sanders, who's such a big figure, tweeting out something negative about the school. You know, I, I kind of wish he would have said something else or taken the tweet down or something, but we did not see that. So, um, you know, just a silly situation, a lack of communication from all parties, something that could have easily been solved. But, uh, no, I, I don't think it's a huge deal, Gamecock fans. I think everything will be fine. The sky is not falling. We'll put it that way. Um, all right, let's get into some news and notes really qu- quickly, and then we'll answer your listener questions. Uh Carolina football picking up a couple to commits, 2021 defensive back DeMarco Williams and 2020 offensive lineman Dylan Seabuck. Dylan Seabuck, two commits for Will Muschamp and company. Those guys continue to pound it on the recruiting trail. Um, also, Javon Kinlaw and Joseph Charlton both crushing at the Senior Bowl, especially Javon Kinlaw. I feel like I'd be remiss if I did not mention what Javon Kinlaw is doing at the Senior Bowl Um Apparently, he's having a monster week. People are talking about he's unblockable. He's really increasing his draft stock. He's talking about a guy that could be a top 10 pick, which would be amazing, obviously. Um, his story has made national headlines with him talking about, you know, coming from being homeless to the position that he's in now. So, great stuff. Great to see. Great for the national, the, the national guys to see what Carolina fans knew all along, which is how good, you know, just, just how good – Javon Kinlaw is just how good he can be how good I think he's going to be at the next level it's great for those people to take notice and to see that um all right let's move into your listener questions before we do though I normally do this at the beginning of the show but I forgot a couple of announcements um not necessarily keep not necessarily housekeeping items but a couple of announcements um first thing twitch content is coming back we're actually doing our first twitch stream today um, we finally got it figured out. I got a Twitch guy that's going to run everything. We've already done a test stream. Quality's awesome. Going to be doing a lot of NCAA football stuff, a lot of Road to Glory stuff, playing fans, stuff like that. Be sure to follow the Spurs Up Show on Twitch. That's at the, or that's the Spurs Up Show. Just type in the Spurs Up Show on Twitch. You'll find us. I'm also going to be putting out those links on social media. Really, really excited, though, to bring back Twitch. That content is a lot of fun. Would love to get fans involved in it as well. So you guys be sure to follow along with that. Also. Brand new merchandise dropping Friday. Got two new T-shirts I'm really excited about. I think you guys are really going to love. So be sure to stay tuned for social media. Probably going to be dropping a teaser sometime today on social media. Be sure to stay tuned for that. And obviously, when it drops Friday, go show the support. Go buy it. Go cop it. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be dope. I know that Gamecock fans are really going to rock with it. So be sure to check that out. all right, cool. Got a couple of listener questions. I'm going to knock these out really quickly, and we'll get our interview real fast. James underscore Paul underscore Wagner. This is before the Auburn game. How much does it change our March, March Madness chances if we win or lose? So, obviously, South Carolina losing this basketball game, you know, I don't think it changes much in the sense that you know what you got to do. You got to win. You got to win a lot of games at this point. You're sitting at two and three right now. Uh, you've got – what you've got 
You've got 13 games left in the SEC. You probably got to win 10 of 13, maybe 11, to get to the get to the big dance. So you know what you've got to do. I, Auburn's not a bad loss, like some of the losses, like Boston, Stetson, obviously, but an expected loss. But you you've really got to go on a run now. You know, if you want to get to March Madness, if you want to get to the dance, you know what you've got to do. So. I mean, every loss is going to hurt your March Madness chances necessarily, but I don't think this is like some devastating loss. You know what I mean? Like, Auburn's a good team. They're a very, very good team. You got beat by a better team, simply put. So, I think the chances are still there, but it's going to be a tall task because you're really going to have to have a killer rest of the season. Um, here's a fun question. Underscore Lindsay Lou underscore. What was your favorite ride at Disney? Thank you for asking about my trip, by the way. Um Favorite ride at Disney? You know, this is a tough one because I love the thrill rides, but I also love the nostalgic rides. Like for me, love Pirates of the Caribbean and Space Mountain. Love those two. Love them. Just love those freaking rides. As far as thrill ride, Tower of Terror is always fun. That's a great ride. Um, Rock and Roller Coaster was a great, is a great ride, obviously. I'll tell you this. The ride that I forgot how much fun it was was um, – was Mount Everest. That is a really, really fun coaster. Really fun coaster. So, um, no, it was a blast. I appreciate you asking about the uh, asking about the vacation. I, I honestly still miss Disney, to be honest with you. Um, last question here, Shootist290, baseball record at the halfway point. <sighs> Very tough to predict, like, the halfway point, what the record will be. I'll just say this. Gamecock baseball, I think, will be a team that – will hover around that 500 mark, at least in conference play. I mean, I expect South Carolina to do well in the non-conference, as they always do. But, uh, you know, I, I expect them to finish 15 and 15, 16 and 14 in SEC play, hover right around that. So, it's hard to say exactly what is the mid-season record going to be. But if that gives you any indication, that's sort of how I'm expecting the baseball season to shake out. So, appreciate the listener questions, guys. Uh, really, really do appreciate it. Got a fantastic interview now with former Gamecocks catcher and first baseman Chris Cohen. This is one of the one of the better interviews we've ever done on this show. Honestly, I mean, I say that every time. I feel like I feel like the interviews get better and better. But Chris, an awesome guest, awesome to have a guy that literally played for South Carolina last year was on the diamond for the Gamecocks. Really excited to talk about this. We talk about everything from why he came to South Carolina, Carolina Clemson rivalry, um, going to the Super Regionals in twenty seven or excuse me twenty uh, twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen. Also, we talk about some funny stuff like Kingston Holbrook, who spits the best game of guys he played with. You might be surprised to hear the answer on that one. A ton more as well, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, whatever you may need tickets to, whether it be South Carolina Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events, professional sporting events, if you're trying to go to the Super Bowl, I don't care what it is. If you need your tickets, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Like I mentioned, they have got tickets to literally anything and everything. If you're trying to go to South Carolina Vanderbilt on Saturday night, if you're trying to go to any women's basketball games, if you want to get your baseball tickets early, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, anything else, MLB, NHL, NBA, whatever it may be, concerts, comedy club events, it does not matter. SeatGeek's going to have your tickets. They've got a great ticket rating system which rates the tickets for you based off the type of deal you're getting. So never again you get to worry about, am I overpaying? You know, Where are the seats at? You know, I'm not sure about the purchase. They're going to give you that peace of mind before you click the buy button. So, again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Whatever you need tickets to, they are the way to go. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks baseball player Chris Cullen. 
All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2016 to 2019. During his career, he hit 225 with 14 home runs, 79 RBIs. In 2016, he was named freshman All-SEC and also helped lead the Gamecocks to the SEC East title in 2016, as well as the Super Regionals in 2018. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks catcher and first baseman Chris Cullen. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm excited. I appreciate you having me on. No doubt. So, Chris, let's go back to the beginning for you because you're a guy from Cumming, Georgia. You talked about kind of off the air, you know, you're back in North Atlanta, but from the state of Georgia, you know, I was taking a look at your recruiting profile. I mean, you were a highly sought after guy recruited by a lot of SEC schools, a lot of top schools, South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, UNC. Just talk about what the recruiting process was like for you and why you chose South Carolina. Yeah, um, well, the recruiting process started, um, I guess, pretty early for me. Um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, have some connections with Team USA Baseball. And, uh, you know, they got me some tryouts and ended up playing pretty well and played on a couple of those those USA teams. I got to travel overseas, was fortunate enough to win a gold medal. And after all those things happened, um, I believe that was early in my career, like 14, 15 years old or so. You know, some colleges uh, would be in the stands for all our trials, games, you know, just monitoring our practices, workouts, things like that. And um, I kind of just got my name out there, got some um, recognition, I guess. And from then on, just playing on those USA teams, being, you know, being able to play on teams coached by former major leaguers like Paul Bird, Michael Barrett, um, really got, you know, my name out there. And, you know, colleges started reaching out to me. Uh, I grew up always wanting to play in the SEC. So, you know, obviously those are the schools I was – I was trying to, I guess, build my relationships with, but, you know, schools get in contact with me and I enjoy calling coaches every week and, you know, just weighing out my options, seeing who needed what uh, position wise and for what years and, you know, just kind of building relationships with everyone and testing the waters and seeing where I felt most comfortable. For and, sure. Um, I got, all right, sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, continuing off of that, you know, I really, Grew up never thinking I would go to the University of South Carolina. You know, being from Georgia, like you said, I always thought I'd be a Georgia Bulldog growing up. Um, but I guess there's a date when you're a junior in high school where colleges can you know, actually call you or something like that. I don't remember. It was a while ago for me. But South Carolina was actually the first school to get in contact with me. And it was Coach Esposito at the time. And I you know, got back in contact with him, took a visit to Columbia and just fell in love with it immediately. And, you know, things took off from there. Got to, um, you know, felt really comfortable with the whole environment, coaches, uh, teammates I would eventually play with, and, you know, things fell into place for me. Yeah, I was going to say, did they sell you a lot on – because I know that, you know, when you were being recruited, obviously – uh, Grayson Griner was the catcher at South Carolina, I think, during that time, probably when you were being recruited. It seemed mm-hmm. like South Carolina for a while had, like, you don't normally see tall catchers, like super, super tall catchers. I don't, I think Grayson's like 6'6 six, six or something. You're 6'5. So I mean, yeah, he, he's huge. He's huge. I obviously doing big <laughs> things with the Tigers, but did they kind of sell you on the opportunity to kind of come in and be, I don't want to say the next Grayson Griner, because obviously you're trying to be the first Chris Cullen, but sort of kind of carry mm-hmm. on that legacy, I guess, because again, it was just for whatever reason, South Carolina fell into the, having the tall, big catchers, power hitters. I mean, did they sort of sell you on that? It's like, hey, come in and kind of just continue that for us. Uh, I wouldn't say they really sold me on that. I mean, obviously it was known at the time that South Carolina, you know, had Grayson Griner and, 
you know, they were kind of digging the tall catches there. So you know, I felt like it might be might be a good place for me. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't say they necessarily just sold me on that. It was just, you know, the relationships I've built with the coaches, uh, you know, amazing facilities. You know, I, I visited, you know, a handful of big schools and, you know, the facilities of South Carolina are just, you, know, you can't compare them to anyone really. Um, just everything that the university provi- provides for the players, you know, that kind of sold me. And, um, you know, being able to get a, a pretty decent education at it as well, can't really argue. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in the back of my mind, I kind of went in there thinking, hey, you know, they've, they've had a tall catcher before, so, you know, they know how to how to work with them. So this could be, you know, a special place for me. For sure. So the coaching staff, when you get recruited and you go there, Chad Holbrook, Jerry Meyer, Sammy Esposito, Brian Busher, uh, just talk about your relationship with the coaching staff, especially with Chad Holbrook. What were your first interactions like with him? Yeah, I, I just, you know, hit the ground running with them. You know, they welcomed me with open arms. And, you know, there, there's really no adjustment for me. You know, meeting new people, there's always kind of a feeling out process. But, you know, they made me feel at home once I stepped on campus there. Um, during the recruiting process, I would say I talked to Coach Esposito the most. Um, and, you know, he, he's a cool dude, you know, funny dude. All the players loved him. Um, so I really built my relationship with him. And Coach Holbrook as well would reach out to me. And, you know, just, you know, they'd be cracking jokes, just talking to me like, you know, they were on the team, hanging out in the locker room with me every day um, as my teammates were. So, you know, talking to them were, was extremely comfortable for me. Coach Myers, I've loved him as well. I'm just great dudes all around. Um, so really the relationship part is I mean that that's I guess I would say that's one of the one of the main reasons or main factors that sold me on South Carolina, but just building those relationships. I mean, it just continued through college as well for my first two years when I when I was able to play under them. Um, you know, things were things were going good. That's a so, so I've always been curious, Chris. I know you would obviously know. Um, when you got there, Chad Holbrook was in his fourth season as head coach, and obviously you played for him for two years. But, you know, obviously the run that South Carolina had under Ray Tanner from 2010 to 12, and then he retires. But just how much, if at all, I guess, was Ray Tanner still involved with the baseball program? If you're like, was he around? Was he, was he like a guy that you guys saw a lot? I mean, I know he was kind of getting his feet wet with the whole AD thing, but mm-hmm. – was he still a guy that was kind of hanging around Founders Park every now and then? Oh, uh, he he was always hanging around. Um, you know, we'd see him in the, you know, in our facilities, uh, pretty often. He'd be at all of our games. Um, I think he tried to, you know, refrain from you know, coming into contact directly with us and speaking to the team as a whole. Uh, he he did periodically, um, but he kind of he he let the coaches handle us the way the coaches wanted to handle us and. But, you know, we'd see him around, we'd shake his hand, say, what's up, how we doing? Um, and then during the games, you'd look up in, in one of the suites and he'd be there, you know, keeping a watch over us. And we enjoyed the company. And, um, yeah, so he was around. Didn't really, I guess, get involved with us as much just because he let the coaches do their thing. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was around for sure. So that 2016 season for you, Chris, you played in 50 games, started 41 of them, hit 238, uh, had a homer, 23 RBIs, 11 doubles. You were named freshman All-SEC uh, in 2016. What clicked for you in that freshman year? Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you. I was just playing baseball, having fun. I mean, I came in there as a freshman, and 
you know, met a met a new group of guys that you know all had the same goal was which was uh, you know go out beat everyone go to Omaha Winter World Series and have fun doing it so everyone got along really well and yeah I, I couldn't tell you one thing or, or the other um, but we just we just went out there we we played baseball the way we knew how to play baseball which was loose and having fun and you know just trying to win and um, everyone just kind of focused on doing their jobs at the time doing what was best for the team and that was a mindset throughout the whole season and I had a pretty successful season for my freshman campaign and you know that's because you know everyone around me was doing their jobs and putting me in positions where I could succeed as a freshman and get my confidence up so it was just you know a great environment all around the chemistry was just amazing. How cool was it again you had the personal success but as well as the team success I talked about you guys won the SEC East uh, finished 20 and nine in the conference edged out Florida Vanderbilt all the others uh, won the SEC East, though, went to the Super Regional as well, unfortunately lost to Oklahoma State, obviously, in two games. But not only do you have that personal success, but how cool was it your freshman year to, you know, assist in helping a team that was top 15 in the country and had the type of success that you guys had? No, it was awesome. Um, I mean, we just went out there and, gosh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, that was probably one of the more fun years of baseball I've ever had in my life, just with the dudes around me. and um. You know, being able to contribute to such a successful season, only losing nine games in the SEC, which is, you know, super hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best conference in baseball and all sports, I would say, I guess. But, um, you know, being able to contribute and play pretty deep in, into the summer there was was fun. And, you know, it's expected at the University of South Carolina. So my freshman year going in there, being able to play in the Super Regionals, you know, it, it's expected. and you know, you get a taste of, you know, all the media attention and, you know, your Twitter, Instagram blowing up and just all the attention you're getting and realizing how big of a deal it is to, you know, prolong your season for, you know, an extra month or so, however long it may be. Um, it was just, just special. And uh, realizing how many people, you know, care about and are passionate about college baseball and going to the World Series and you know, the success of the University of South Carolina is just you know, super cool to see. I had pe- random people on Twitter hitting me up, you know, congratulating me for you know, winning the SEC East, congratulating my teammates from the SEC East. Um, it was just a great feeling, man. And of course, you know, every season has their down moments where you know, people aren't really on your side, but you can't really pay attention to that. And then when people... Um, crazy for when you win the SEC East and go to Super Regionals, win your regional at home. It's just, you know, it's super cool. I mean, words can't really put it into, um, can't really explain it with my words right here, but it's just something that I'll cherish forever, probably. For sure. So that 2017 season for you, I want to move to that, Chris, because for you on the field, I mean, again, you improved your best season as a Gamecock, I would say, 276, five homers, 18 RBIs. This is where your career starts to take a turn because I was reading an article about you before we got on here and near the end of that year, you have season ending knee surgery to remove some cartilage. Heck we talked on air or off air, excuse me. And you were talking about you're in, you're Mm -hmm. in physical therapy right now for your knee back. It seems like everything, but this is when the injuries (laughs) start piling up for you, the knee. And then you come into that junior year, you have the bulging disc, which really, really hampers you at the plate. Uh, I know your senior Mm -hmm. year, you were battling injuries as well. I mean, I guess my first question is, who, like, did you piss the baseball gods off or something? Because it seemed like after that <laughs> freshman year, you were constantly hurt. Uh, yeah, I mean, after, 
you know, at the end of that sophomore year, I would say, um, well, actually, here, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. After that freshman year, I went up to the Cape Cod League to play for a little bit, and that's when you know, I realized that my knee was first hurt. Had my first knee surgery in the fall before my sophomore year. Was able to recover from that one and play my sophomore season. Um, near the end of the season, it just gave out on me again. Had to have a, a second surgery in May, which you know ended my season shorter than I I had planned on. Um, and that kind of dampened my mood a little bit. And I had to sit out the rest of that season, kind of finish it out with my teammates and stayed there in Columbia all summer, just rehabbing, doing physical therapy, you know, doing everything I could to, you know, get myself back so I'd be healthy to play uh, for my junior season, which was a big season, you know, draft-wise and, and so what. Um, but when I'm not junior season, I don't think I did anything to piss off the baseball guys. I mean, I could be wrong, <laughs> but <laughs> I thought I was always respectful and everything. But, you know, things just happen uh, differently for different people. And there's nothing I can really do about it. You just got to, you know, take it and you know, respond to it in a, in a positive way. But, you know, yeah, I, I had that after my second knee surgery. I had that back injury that um, really affected me at the plate. I did all I could at the plate, did all I could defensively. Um, but it was just tough. And, you know, it wore me down mentally. The trainers, coaches, my teammates, family, friends, all that, they did a wonderful job of, you know, getting me healthy enough to, you know, even be on the field, be able to practice, do do these things that I wanted to, that I grew up wanting to do. Um, but just overall, I mean, after that sophomore season, I mean, mentally I was, I was flustered. I was stressed out. You know, I was sick of, Every single day, waking up first thing in the morning, going to the training room to do exercises and rehab and go to class and come back in between classes and do some more, get whatever treatment done, go back to class and then come back for baseball practice um, where I would be in the training room before practice, right after practice. I would lift whatever I could lightly in the weight room and then, you know, take care of myself with ice or do whatever more treatment I needed. So my days were filled with just being in the training room, just trying to keep my head above water, really. And it kind of ruined my, my joy for the game, which, which kind of sucked at the moment. I would, you know, instead of going out there and having fun and playing loose and relaxed, like I did my freshman, sophomore year, you know, I was just doing everything I could to keep my head above water and be able to keep up with everyone. So I'd be able to, you know, at least compete a little bit on the field. But um, yeah, it, it, it was definitely a tough finished my career the last two years though everyone did a wonderful job uh, i love the support from you know the tr- training staff um friends family teammates coaches everyone who i mentioned uh it was tough for sure but you know i have no regrets there I was able to play my senior year for 55 games however many games something like that pretty much every game except for a few so that was pretty special to at least finish my career with playing the majority of the season during the season where I didn't, I went into not even thinking I'd be able to play 20 games, but, um, that was tough, but you now I got past it, got some support. So I was thankful for that. It, it sounds like Chris, that the, you know, people think of the, the physical rehab, you know what I mean? Actually getting your body ready to play, but it sounds like the mental hurdle is almost a bigger challenge than the physical hurdle. Like as far as what you went through. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Every athlete goes through injuries, and it affects them differently. Um, but, I mean, you hear it all the time in sports how, you know, 
the mental, I guess, state of athletes is it's kind of all over the place, up and down the board because of things that I guess they go through. I'm not comparing myself to anyone. I didn't have, you know, terrible injuries that, you know, completely ruined my career or anything like that. I still had a shot. I just wasn't able to capitalize on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, not only is it the physical aspect where you have to do your physical exercises to be able to go out there, run around, move side to side, swing a bat, uh, just do whatever the game demands of you um, physically. But it's being able to, you know, keep the confidence in yourself, you know, keep that grind mentality, keep pushing yourself, keep, uh, you know, just following the process and trusting everything that's going on around you. I mean, when you have an injury, you see all these people making games next to you or, um, you know, doing things extremely well. And you're sitting on the side, either just watching or sitting in the training room doing rehab or um, even just getting right back in it, just feeling like you've, you've lost all touch with the, with the sport that you grew up playing. And uh, I think that was the toughest part for me was, you know, seeing everyone, you know, having fun and enjoying what they're doing. And I'm, I've pretty much lost touch with what I was doing because, you know, I haven't been able to, you know, swing a bat for a certain amount of time or haven't been able to run around or just wasn't in baseball shape, I would say. Yeah, the, the mental aspect of it is something that people don't really, don't really think about, but it's definitely mm-hmm. something that impacts players as well. Yeah, and baseball is such a mental game, too, when you think about it. It's, it's already a sport mm-hmm. that beats you up. You're going to fail 70% of the time. But, again, like you're saying, going through that. I, I want to go yeah. back really quickly again to that sophomore year. Again, your best year is a Gamecock. But we all know how that season went. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of close series that came down to game three. And, you know, you lose your closer in Tyler Johnson. You lose Clark Schmidt. I mean, it just a ton – it just – it snowballed. Kind of like the 2019 season, which I'm going to get to in yeah. just a second. But – you know, after 2017, obviously, Chad Holbrook steps down, quote-unquote. Just talk about for you. I'm sure you were off playing, you know, either, you know, back at home or maybe you were still in Columbia, but, you know, playing ball, kind of doing your thing. I mean, how surprised were you, if at all, when you got the news that uh, Chad Holbrook wouldn't be coming back to South Carolina? Well, it was definitely news to us. Um, you know, we love playing for Coach Holbrook. Uh, I guess things just didn't work out at the end of that sophomore season. Um, you know, South Carolina is a tough place to play or, or coach at just because it's so well-known. The expectations are extremely high. Uh, people expect to win, and, you know, rightfully so. We have all the talent in the world. It's just every team goes through their ups and downs. There's not much, you know, anyone can do. It's, it's inevitable. Um, but it was news to us for sure. You know, we're sad to see that, that coaching staff um, leave to go pursue – coaching at different at different universities um but with the new coaching staff that came in coach kingston and his staff you know we're excited for for new beginnings and when he got there you know we listened to everything he said he wanted to win as much as we wanted to win um and you know we we listened and applied everything he said to us and we really bought into to the system because i mean we we don't like losing either um Mm. so you know we're trying to you know change things that might have not been so beneficial to us and we're really just buying into you know everything new and trying to get back on top which is which is Omaha for us what was the adjustment period like for you personally and the team as well because I know again talking to Carlos about a week or so ago he talked about 
you know, Coach Kingston, again, a fiery guy, wants to win. I, you know, I think Gamecock fans are very happy with Coach Kingston, but obviously he brought a little bit of, of a different approach, different style. I think you saw that reflected in that 2018 season mm-hmm. when, you know, the entire team really seemed like jumped up in batting average. And he, he brought a more like analytical focused approach. I mean, just what were those, I guess, that first team meeting? And then as you went through it, like what was the adjustment period like for you guys? Well, um, the adjustment period, it was definitely an adjustment for us. I wouldn't say it was something we couldn't adjust to. I mean, everyone kind of, you know, bought in immediately to what, you know, Coach Kingston and his staff were, were trying to preach to us. But I guess what what changed was, you know, we we would hit a lot. I mean, we'd take a bunch of swings a day um, off, off our pitching machines at high velocities, you know, high spin rates. So, you know, whenever we would go into a game or anything like that, we'd be prepared for, um, 95 plus coming at us because you know we've been facing every single day of the week off the machines, and um, you know their attention to detail was some that we really hadn't prided ourselves on, ourselves on in the in the um, beginning, I guess. But you know with that coaching staff coming in, we started paying attention to detail. You know, cleaning up after ourselves, just you know creating that sense of discipline and accountability among everyone that really brought us closer together. Um, but you know, physically, like I was talking about with with how we'd swing a lot and how those how those offensive numbers kind of you know jumped up um, in a high fashion. You know, we would their big thing was is making things super hard for us in practice. So you know, when we came into a situation during games or anything like that that was kind of challenging to us, we'd know how to handle it. It was it would you know it would just be nothing to us. We'd just shake it off, shrug our shoulders. You know, dust off our shoulders, however you want to put it, um, and just get back to work and be able to handle it in a in a grown up way, in a baseball player way. So, um, yeah, overall, just like the tension, the detail, um, being able to challenge us in practices when practices are supposed to be easy, as people think, um, challenging us in practices so we're able to handle situations in the game was huge for us. Um, you know, there were a bunch of things that the coaching staff brought in that we bought into, and um, we, we turned that 2000. It was 2018, I think, right? 2018 mm-hmm. yep. season around. 2018. Um, had a successful season. Yeah, I was going to say that. 2018 season, again, you guys get the Super Regionals. You're literally a game away from Omaha. I know for you, again, it was a really tough year with the injuries and stuff like that. But I want to ask you, um, because, you know, I, again, I talked with Carlos about this, and I, I know Gamecock fans all point to this moment. It was the PC game. You guys lose at home in the midweek. Yeah. And after that one, the, the, the switch seemed to flip. There was, a, there was a different sense of urgency. You guys won, I think, like seven SEC series in a row, swept LSU. <laughs> I remember that was a big SEC series win. But um, can you repeat any of what Mark Kingston said to you all after the game? Because I can't imagine there's, there's – a I imagine you have to paraphrase a lot of it. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say um, that his speech to us was long and explicit. Um, I mean, there were definitely explicit words. He was super pissed off, rightfully so. Um, but I would. I would say the you know how we handled it as a team amongst each other was kind of you know what got us to turn the season around a little bit. You know, we all looked at each other in the locker room. Um, and said, hey, like, we're not going down like this. Like, we weren't supposed to lose that game. The past however many weeks we've been playing baseball, not up to par. You know, this is the University of South Carolina. We're here for a reason. Uh, we're here to win. And we're here to play some high-level baseball. And, you know, what we did just just wasn't us. So, as a team, we got together. Um, 
we we put an end to it. Said, hey, no more no more games like that the rest of the season. You know, you know it's strictly business from here on. We're gonna go out and have fun. You know, but we're gonna whoop up on some people to make it a little bit more fun for us. So um, there were some explicit words said amongst the teammates as well. You know, trying to pump each other up and get each other back on board because we kind of lost our heads a little bit. But um, yeah, after that, you know, it, it was it was fun baseball from then on out. I mean, it seemed like every weekend we went into the weekend not expecting to even give up a run. I mean, at that time we just felt invincible, and it was just. Gosh, that was a fun period of time. Just winning, you said seven straight. Uh, we won seven straight SEC series and went on in regionals at a in a tough environment at ECU, mm-hmm. and won that regional, which was you know super exciting for us even then. But you know we knew we didn't want to finish there, so went into a tough, hostile uh, Arkansas environment and took them to game three and just ultimately couldn't finish the deal. But yeah, I mean. Just us binding together as a team was kind of a turning point there and, you know, wanted to make it a memorable last trip for those seniors and draft guys that were leaving that year. Yeah, and, and a tip of the cap as well to that Arkansas team that made it all the way to the final. But, I, you know, I know mm-hmm. for you again, you know, you dealt with those injuries and I'm sure – I'm sure it took away a little from the success you guys had that year just because, again, you sort of talked about earlier when you talk about the injuries, how, you know, you so badly want to be a part of it and you're just so limited physically. But, you know, just to be a part of that, again, like you said, to go to ECU and win that regional, really sweep through that regional, and then to be a game away in a hostile environment, to come down to a game three, again, you don't, you know, you don't achieve the goal you want to and get to Omaha, but to be a part of that, I guess – after the way the season started, how cool of an experience mm-hmm. was that to kind of right to kind of right the ship and redeem yourself after the 2017 season? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, you know, we had a great group of guys, um, great mindsets. It was just a special year for us, um, just like that freshman year when it was special. I mean, we started in just an embarrassing fashion, terrible fashion. You know, people were scared to walk into the classrooms, scared to walk on the streets after practice <laughs> and then you know fear of you know having someone say something now about how we started but um you know once we started rolling you know it, it was it was so fun just you know showing up to the field every day do, doing our activities just you know it was it was a blast um and being so close to Omaha it was it was a special moment even though I was injured I mean I'm a, I've always been a guy that you know be up in the dugout support my teammates no matter what was going on I mean if they're having success, you know, I'm I'm super happy about it. We're, I'm trying to get to Omaha, too, whether I'm, you know, healthy enough to play or not. I mean, just being able to go with that group of guys, I guess, and go to Omaha would have been, you know, extremely special. So, um, you know, as tasking as it might have been mentally for me uh, with all the injuries and everything, you know, I, I enjoyed every single second of it, even, even the parts when, you know, I, I – I miss being out there or miss contributing in some fashion. Um, and I was always behind my teammates, rooting them on. And, you know, we didn't get to go to Omaha, but it was, it was sure a special ride for those for that year, especially being one game away. No doubt. So you go in that senior year, Chris. Uh, there's a lot of optimism, obviously, surrounding uh, Carolina baseball last year. I, w- I want to start with – you know, you guys tear it up in the non-conference. I think you guys were 14-3 and three going into SEC play. But I want to talk specifically about the Carolina-Clemson rivalry and then obviously you guys finally snapping the streak and beating Clemson 2-3, of three, including that big, yep. big win Sunday at home. 
Um, I think you had a pair of hits in that one. You had a pretty good series, if I remember correctly, against Clemson. But just kind of talk mm-hmm. about, again, you, you were a kid from Georgia. I'm sure you were somewhat familiar with South Carolina Clemson on the diamond. I mean, one of the best rivalries in college baseball, if not the best. But just talk about, you know, your experiences in the Carolina Clemson rivalry and then how sweet it was, I guess, you know, as a senior to – you guys knew the success they had had against you guys to be able to snap that and win two of three, you know, especially winning it at your at home and at their place as well. I'm sure that had to be yeah, a great thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, being from Georgia, you grew up with the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry, you know, um, people hating each other in that aspect. But And, and you're, you're familiar with the South Carolina-Clemson rivalry. Um, but I didn't realize how, how intense it was until I – you know, I was, I was taking my recruiting visits and, you know, even during the recruiting visits, you see the intensity among the fans and everything like that. But once you step on that field playing against them um, and you know how invested the fans are, you know how invested um, the students are, you know, how focused the players are and ready to, ready to play. Um, it, it's just, I don't even know how to describe that feeling. I mean, I, I don't want to say nervous. I want, to, I want to say super excited with a tad bit of nervousness and a lot of anxiousness, a lot of different words, I guess. Um, but it it was awesome. I mean, it kind of, I mean, no offense to the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry because you know, I respect my all the friends that I know that went to those schools, but the Clemson-Carolina rivalry puts that to shame a little bit. <laughs> um, just show, showing up to the stadium and, you know, Wherever you're playing, whether it's in Columbia and Clemson or at the neutral stadium in Greenville where we play, I think it's going to be in Columbia this following year mm-hmm. or this upcoming year, I would, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but playing at a stadium where the seats are, are filled completely, there's standing room, people are shoulder to shoulder, there's people outside the gates watching. Um, there's just so much going on, and you realize how important and how sweet this rivalry is. Um, the players respect each other, but we're out there you know, doing everything we can to win as well. So tempers may flare a little bit. But, um, you know, playing in those rivalries is always something we look forward to. Um, sometimes playing, you know, at the beginning of the season when you're playing all those non-conference teams, it, it you can get into a habit of maybe, you know, playing, taking a few pitches off or you know, not playing 100% or whatever it may be. But when you have – when you have the ability to play Clemson early in the year like that and have a have a really heated rivalry for a weekend. You know, it, it keeps you focused and gets you ready for SEC play as well because, you know, Clemson always has a good squad over there. Um, but, you know, uh, gosh, I don't even – I'm getting goosebumps just feeling about – thinking about Friday nights, whether it's in Columbia or walking into Clemson playing under the lights and, you know, playing against some boys. It, it was a blast. Um yeah, I mean, that's all I had to say about that, that rivalry, really. <laughs> Sticking with that Carolina-Clemson series from a year ago, I, I want to ask you because it certainly caught my eye. It caught the eye, and I know the attention of a lot of uh, your former teammates, alumni, but you guys held it together pretty well. But I want to know – I want to know honestly, what was the – how did you guys take Logan Davidson's culture comments a year ago? Because I, I'm sure you remember – he makes the comments about, you know, how basically mm-hmm. taking a shot at South Carolina about, oh, the reason we're able to win these close games is, you know, we have a really good culture. And I don't remember the exact quote, but he's basically insinuating that South Carolina, you know, didn't have that or lacked that. Just 
you know, again, I, I saw a lot of former <laughs> South Carolina baseball players on social media and obviously, you know, with what, you know, with what I'm doing, I mean, we, we made a very, very big deal of it and made sure to let Logan Davidson hear all about it on that Sunday game. <laughs> you guys just pummeled him. But I mean, how much did that piss you guys off going in that series? We, we try not to pay attention to all that. I mean, we, we let the former guys kind of take care of it or, you know, the fans kind of acknowledge it a little bit, but you know, when, when you're about to play, you can't really look into what other people say. I mean, you don't know what the culture is like at, at a certain school unless you you play there for how, however long you're there for. I mean, South Carolina, as long as I've been there, has always had a phenomenal culture. Um, everyone gets along really well. There's always activities to do with the team. I mean, people hang out with each other. Um, when, you, when you're on a baseball team, it's your own fraternity. Uh, you pretty much do everything together. So um, our culture was, was phenomenal. Um, we didn't really look into that that much. I mean, we we saw it for sure, but you know, we didn't think anything about it. It's a, it's rivalry week. People are gonna say things that you know might put us down a little bit. People on our side are probably gonna say things that put them down a little <laughs> bit. But you know, that that's just, that's just part of it. I mean, so we just kind of let you know everyone else take care of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, not we we don't agree with the statement. Um, because we had a great culture. We had a great group of guys. So. Have you have you seen a stare down as epic as the one Reed Morgan had last year against the uh, the Clemson hitter? I feel like that's I feel like that because I mean you know again I was at the game and I'm sure you remember as well. I mean the guy takes five and a half minutes to get back in the box and it's just like it was like you couldn't have scripted it any better than how it happened. But Reed Morgan, I feel like that had to be one of the all time stare downs walking off the mound. The way it ended was definitely deserving. Um, it, it started us all up. Um, you know, happy for Reed in that moment, happy for the team, because it was a huge moment for our team. Uh, but when when it happened, you know, I was pumped up about the about the strikeout. Um, and I, I kind of glanced over as I'm jogging off the field, and, you know, he's walking to the dugout, <laughs> but Reed's staring at home plate still. I thought maybe he had, like, a cramp in his neck or something. It's like, you know, I'm kind of worried that maybe he won't be able to go the next inning or something. But he was – apparently he was staring down the hitter, and I, I went back and watched it, like, there was a bunch of clips on Twitter and things like that. And, yeah, he was definitely giving them a stare down. And it was something to fire the fans up. And, you know, being a home game, and, you know, that, that just fired everyone up. And it was a, it was a huge moment for us. So, <laughs> it's funny to laugh about. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that was a big moment for us. That was awesome. I don't think I've ever been a part of a, a stare down like that. I've been in, a, in some bench clearing in, incidents. But that, that was a special one for sure. For sure. So let's talk about Chris that twenty that twenty nineteen season or a year ago. Really, I, you know, obviously did not go the way you guys wanted. And again, if it, it really mm-hmm. resembled the twenty seventeen season with just so many injuries. I mean, Carmen goes down in the Clemson series on just a freak. You know, breaks his foot planning on the mound. I don't think anybody's. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Just a freak injury. You've got a ton of other injuries in the pitching staff, and you know, I, I think Mark Kingston cited plenty of times. You're you're asking guys to just do things they're not comfortable with, and it just seemed like the perfect storm offensively, defensively, pitching, everything. Um, I, I guess, you know, how tough was it? How tough was it to go into each and every single SEC series? Again, you don't go in defeated, like, with that type of mindset. But, I mean, how tough mm-hmm. was it for you knowing that, like, we don't have our best guy out there, especially when you're facing guys like, like on Friday nights, like Emerson Hancock and the Rocker kid from Vanderbilt. I mean, it's just – I mean, it's arm after arm after arm, draft pick after draft pick. I mean, you mm-hmm. know – was there ever a moment where, again, like I talked about pissing off the baseball gods, I mean, 
last year just seemed like the perfect storm for what happened to you guys with all those injuries. Yeah, I mean, things – I mean, it, it's safe to say things didn't really go our way in that season. Um, we didn't walk into any weekend defeated or anything like that or, you know, thinking about, oh, gosh, like, here we go again. No, nothing like that. It was – um, you know, we had, we had full confidence in all our guys. That's, I mean, going back to the culture, I mean, all our guys, you know, had extreme – like, extremely high amounts of confidence in each other, you know. We trusted everyone to go out there and do their job, and everyone was a dude. I mean, you're not at the University of South Carolina unless you're a dude. And um, so whoever we put out there, you know, we thought we were going to win the ball game. Things didn't work out our way in, you know, ways we wanted to. Uh, we didn't have the season that, you know, we expected, planned to have, anything like that. But, um, yeah, yeah, we had, we had a bunch of injuries. Yeah, things kind of snowballed a little bit. Things didn't go our way. But, um, you know, all we can do at the moment is just control what we can control. And, um, you know, we can't control injuries to athletes at all times. You know, we can do everything we can to prevent them, but things happen. I mean, you play – if you're playing sports the right way and you're playing at 110%, you're going to get injured. It's just part of it. But um, and we know that, so we went into every weekend. Um, not really thinking about what the lineup would be or who we throw out there because um, whoever we throw out there, you know, it, it, treat it like every other baseball game. You know, we're going to go out there, we're going to do our jobs, we're going to, you know, control what we can control and win some ball games. So, um Although it was discouraging at times, uh, baseball in baseball you gotta have a short-term memory. So that's what we did. We just forgot about the losses right when they happened, and went woke up the next day and you know prepared and got ready to play another baseball game. Chris, let's talk about this year. Like I said, we're we're just over three weeks from opening day. I know everybody's really really pumped to get back out at Founders Park, and I know the team's pumped up to kind of like what you guys did in 2018, sort of right the ship. And like Mark Kingston said, I think in his presser uh, Wednesday, just to prove that last year was a fluke, if that makes sense. But when you take a look at this team again, a lot of your buddies, a lot of your former teammates, South Carolina's added a bunch of JUCO guys as well, but. How excited are you for this year's team? Again, you get a healthy Carmen Majinski back, which, you know, I think, and I'm sure you'd probably agree that, you know, his return I think is going to be probably the top storyline for South Carolina. And I think he might be yeah. the most important guy for Carolina as far as – because you look at last year, I mean, just so many so many SEC series that came down in the wire that he simply, you know, he just wasn't out there. He was injured. And obviously his, his impact would have been felt greatly. But when you take a look at this team getting his return, a bunch of guys that were young last year that got their feet wet, got innings under their belt – the pitching staff is going to have a lot more depth. I feel like in the field, defensively, uh, in the lineup, there's a lot more depth. You bring back guys like Eister, Allen. You got the, the, the grad transfers. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this team. When you look at this team, what are your overall takeaways? And, uh, you know, I guess what are your projections for how South Carolina baseball will do in 2020? So I'm super fired up about this season. Um, this is going to be really the first time that I can remember where I'm, I'm not going to be playing baseball in the spring. but I'll certainly be there whenever I can make a trip up to to support them. But I'm super fired up um, about what's gonna what's gonna happen this year. You know, we got some people back that are healthy, uh, people that are, you know, have prepared themselves in in big league ways to have, you know, extremely successful seasons. And you know, the new people that they brought in, the recruits, I I haven't been able to go up there for any scrimmages or practices or anything like that, but just talking to some of my former teammates over there that are there now, like Graham Lawson, you know, Cantry Guy, Parker Coy, all them boys. Um, just talking to them, you know, they're super pumped up. Apparently they got some they got some good arms, they got some good athletes that came in. 
you got some people that want to win some ball games and that will be able to help them in many different ways. And um, I follow up on Twitter with with the scrimmages as much as I can. And, you know, these boys got some juice too, so there's nothing wrong with that. You know, chicks do dig the long ball, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm super fired up this season. Um, definitely going to watch them as much as I can. You know, someone stay in contact with them. Um, as far as projections projections go, um, I don't know. I haven't really thought deeply on that. And, you know, I firmly believe that you know, they're going to have a successful season, make a run at Omaha. Um, as long as they go out there, play loose, have some fun, and play baseball the way they know how to play baseball. And, uh, you know, play like they play at the University of South Carolina and go out there and have fun and, you know, do all the things that they can control. It'll be a fantastic season for them. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just super pumped up. If I had to give you a hot take, I'd say Graham Lawson's going to going to hit a home run at some point this season. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know when. But at one point, he's going to be put in the game. That's my only projection for it. He's going to go deep at some point this season. Does, does he swing it like that? I mean, <laughs> he, he got the pop that nobody knows about? I've, I've, I've seen him in the cages. Uh, you know, we've put, we'll be putting in our extra work um, after practice or before practice. And, you know, he, he may drop in there when he's healthy, you know, take some hacks. I've seen some, some Snapchat stories of him as well. Um, so if the coaches give him a shot, I don't think they will. <laughs> but if they, if they give him a shot, you know, I think it happen. And might, might need a pinch hitter at some point. We can go to extra innings. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I remember Matt Price once got a pinch hitting appearance. So if he can get one, I think almost anybody can get one. Uh, I, I Two Gosh, questions for you. Gonna, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I got two questions for you, and I'm going to get you out of here. Both Mark Kingston related. Mm-hmm. The first one, I forget whether – I think it was the 2018 season. I'm almost positive it was. How impressed were you guys when Mark Kingston in the middle of an interview in Charlotte just wore one off the chest, the ball during uh, in uh, just infield? I, I don't know if you remember that. There was an infield baseball. Oh, I do. I do. right in the chest. How impressed were you guys, I guess, when that happened? Oh, gosh. Like, and and kept going with that, the interview, too. That was, I mean, that was the crazy thing. Yeah, I don't know if I, if I would say – like I don't know how to describe it. It, it was kind of a feeling of, you know – we're kind of frightened because we didn't know if he'd be mad afterwards. <laughs> we're kind of scared because we didn't know if he was hurt. Um, and we kind of wanted to laugh at the same time because he just wore it and kept going. And, you know, it, it might have, I don't remember what position I was playing, but it might have been my fault if I was playing first base and, you know, I missed a, a scoop in between innings. But, you know, I, I won't tell him that. I'm hoping he doesn't listen to this podcast. But, you know, it, it very well could have been my fault at the time. But it, it became a joke after that. Um, you know, during the SEC series, uh, the SEC Network would be doing interviews with him on the edge of the dugout, and um, we'd have a guy standing right next to him, and we'd have another guy, you know, throwing baseballs his way, and the guy would be on screen, you know, catching, deflecting him, just keeping him away from Coach Kingston. So we kind of made a joke out of it, had some fun with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, impressed is an understatement because being able to carry on an interview, not even break, you know, he didn't hesitate in any of his words either. He was just continuing with the sentence like nothing happened. I mean, if I got hit in the chest with a baseball during an interview, I'd probably stop, look around, you know, not knowing what it was, where it came from, just like having a whole bunch of questions in my head. But, you know, that was, that was a funny moment for us. For sure. And then lastly, Chris, when you look back, I mean, obviously there's a ton of great memories, ton of great stories. But if you had to pick one, maybe your funniest or most memorable Mark Kingston's story, or, or just maybe story period while you were at South Carolina? Oh, gosh. Um, there's a bunch of memories that I've had over the four years. I mean, 
most of them are not able to, you know, publicly <laughs> tell, I guess, or, you know, some people may be offended or may not approve, but um, trying to think of some other stories. I mean, we we would do things with the team all the time together. You know, some of my fondest memories would be on the off days when we go to um, go to one of the pools at, you know, one of the college housing areas. And it was, I think it was, yeah, it was at the Olympia pool where everyone would go to on Mondays. That'd be our off day. Monday, for some reason, was like the day of the, you know, the whole school would try to get out there. It's this little pool area and, you know, there'd be thousands of people out there just shoulder to shoulder playing music, just having fun. Um, so our team would show up just, just to get our minds off of baseball and hang out a little bit, you know, take a dip in the pool. And then if some of the guys had some game, you know, we, we'd have some pretty girls with us too, which, uh, you know, fortunately, fortunately we did, you know, some of the time. But I can't toot my horn too much or anyone else's horn for that matter. But, you know, yeah, we we definitely go out there and enjoy our time off. And um, there's also one, one off day on a Monday where I think it was my freshman year, yeah, because uh, we we go over to Vinny Fiore, Marcus Mooney, D.C. Rennes' place. Um, Taylor Widener backed his truck straight into the front lawn of, you know, Marcus Mooney, Vince Fiore's house. We put a tarp in the back of his truck, filled it up with water, invited all the people we knew, tried to have a pool party in the back of Taylor Widener's truck, <laughs> just in, in the front yard of you know this house. Um, and we had a cookout as well. We, we just kind of did whatever we wanted, no, whatever we wanted to do at the time, as far as you know, any activity not regarding baseball, because that was our day off, so we're trying to get our time off. But um, you know, the off days definitely made some fond memories. Um, I'm of I'm of age, so I, I would say that I've had some fond memories in the in the Vista or Five Points area. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, just everything, just being around the guys, mm-hmm. the relationships that I built, it was just you know incredible. I don't want you to get anybody in trouble, obviously, but you talked about spitting game earlier. Who is the guy that comes to mind when you think of the guy that could spit the game the best while you're at South uh, Carolina? 100% no questions asked myself. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't put That's any great of my answer. teammates in the, in, in the same ballpark as me. <laughs> That's a great answer. You know, TJ uh, Hopkins or Jacob Olsen would say that they picked up chicks or had some game. Uh, no, they're, they're they're not in the same league as me. I'm big league. They're they're still in, you know, high end or whatever it may be, whatever they think they are. That's perfect. Rec league. That's perfect. <laughs> Minor leagues, big leagues only. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Wait, Chris, re- really do appreciate it, man. Uh, I, I just want to speak for all Gamecock fans when I say it was a pleasure to watch you do what you do on the field. Obviously, watch you guys, the success you had. Uh, best of luck with everything. Would love to get you back on again soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed it. Um, look forward to it again. Absolutely. So for Chris Cullen, I'm Chris Stoltz. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.